Boyd Hopkins, born in Saskatoon. Educated up there at Henry Kelsey School, uh, Bedford Road Collegiate. Remember a bomb scare at one point. We were all en- ended up out in the playground, uh, but nobody blew the school up, so we had to go back. <laughs> I was a good Lutheran boy. I didn't really know what it meant to be a Lutheran boy, except that you know a lot of Lutherans, you know, well, they're fixing a church up here. Lutherans wouldn't like that because us Lutherans, we like it the way it used to be, you know? <laughs> So I just knew I was Lutheran, and uh, when I was about five, I remember something struck me. A friend of mine and I were playing in the basement, and it struck me that we had never received Jesus, quote, received Jesus. And so I looked at my friend, and I said, uh, do you want to receive Jesus? Because we don't want to go to hell here, you know. <laughs> and he looks at me, he's Mennonite, you know, and he's thinking, yeah, you know what, we better be dealing, dealing with that. So him and I, we prayed, we received Jesus, and then uh, I still remember the next thoughts that came to me and I thought to myself now I got about 80 years to kill before I can enjoy this <laughs> and so that's what I set out to do I set out to do you know I don't know 80 years whatever it was I set out to kill time until I died and you got to know that living that that way doesn't really work very well so um, I, uh, I did that. I was your, sort of your standard, slightly rebellious teenager, smoked a little bit of dope, drank a little bit of beer, whatever else. And uh, I uh, flunked out of grade 12. And it was in the, in the summer of my, uh, of my 18th year that uh, I was up in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, and I ran into an old friend of mine. He was an old dope-smoking buddy of mine, and uh, Jesus had got a hold of him. And a couple of us decided we better go in and take a look at this because there was this little street coffee shop and we'd heard that he was there and he was all changed. So we went to spectate. Well, they got me back into a corner in that place and it was a coffee shop. I thought like low-hanging beads and all that kind of stuff and smoky sort of, you know, cool ambiance. Well, it was puke green on the walls and it was just old couches surrounding the place and it was full of, full of street people. And I uh, got into the, the back corner there, and some guy started preaching at the top of his lungs, proclaiming, whatever. Anyway, he spins around to me, he says, You! Do you know Jesus? And I, I'm going, I hope so. <laughs> well, he turns around and he picks this other guy, Gary. He says, You take this guy out and you make sure he knows Jesus. Well, if that guy would have picked anyone else in that place, I would have kept walking because unbeknownst to him, he picked my buddy. So Gary, he took me out the back and he says, Boyd, he says, there's more to this following Jesus than you would think. I'm going, I, 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 get, I get you. So I hung out with them for a couple of weeks. And uh, they were, I don't know what they were. They're like, they're not quite Pentecostal because there were some Lutherans and some Mennonites and some I don't know what's in there. So they're Luther men about the Costals is what they are. <laughs> Right at the end of this couple of weeks I spent, I finally got to the point. I said, I don't know what you guys got, but you know the standard thing, I I need it too. So how do I get this experience with God? So there's two old junkies and a biker uh, sitting there praying over me in a parking lot behind a restaurant in Prince Albert one night. And they told me, they said, you know what? You're going to get filled with the Spirit tonight. And they introduced me to to an encounter with the Holy Spirit that, that, that God began to unpack. Well, I didn't really know, you know, what to do. They were too new at this. They didn't know what to really to tell me what to expect. All they did was at the end of it, they said, on the way home tonight, you thank God for what he's doing in your life. 
So I had a 25-mile drive north, and I spent that 25 miles um, thanking God for what he was doing in my life. And something began to blossom, began to unfold. And, and that night is the reason that I stand here today. Because God introduced me to, to a reality that there is a walk with Jesus that happens by the power of the Spirit of God. Now, grant you, it was something that I have had to learn layer by layer, step by step, and I'm still not too sure I'm fully aware. I'm pretty sure I'm not fully aware. But I'm growing. Okay. Well, I set out to serve God. And um, I went through Bible school, went through college, went through cemetery, seminary. <laughs> Learned lots of good stuff. You know, and that cemetery thing, that was just to get a laugh. Eh? So, you know, actually, it was. Um, learned a lot of good stuff. Got out of seminary, got called to a charismatic Lutheran church out in Alberta. Spent six years there. It was an amazing experience. I learned a huge amount. I uh, was ready to park myself there forever and uh, do the uh, church growth stuff and build mega churches. And God moved us on from there. Um, went to my second church. Well, my second church, I'm called because I'm a bit of an evangelist in some ways. Uh, some of them, some people feel like I have a gift at sharing faith. And so what they did was they decided you should come out to this place, uh, be our pastor. Uh, a couple of things I learned about growth. Uh, one of them, I went to a conference, and the uh, speaker at the conference said, Who here has ever heard this? Pastor, we want you to come here to, to, ha to bring growth. And me, I stick up my hand, because that's exactly what I did. And he says, You're an idiot. <laughs> he says, Because people don't really want growth. What they want is stability. No. How do you put it? They want change, but they don't want change. Do you know what I mean? He says, if you believe somebody that says they want change, you're an idiot. Well, I said, Here's, that was exactly what I believed. That church ended up being a very difficult place for me. It was a divided church. There were people set against each other, and I got caught in the middle. And at the end of the day, though there were some issues there, I also had my own issues. It turned out I didn't have thick enough skin. And in my striving in that place, I ended up burned out collapsed. I remember still sort of in a foggy way walking into my doctor's office and my doctor looked at me and he says, Jeepers, that ministry, you, you're a pastor. He says, that's got to be a brutal, brutal living to make. He says, because I got eight pastors that I'm uh, medicating right now and the city that I lived in wasn't that big and that was only one, one doctor. Folks, ministry, hmm, it's difficult stuff. Well, for me, I resigned. I ended up out on stress leave. Um, I uh, still remember sitting in my front living room. Um, my, my wife left to go downtown, and I'm doing my, supposedly doing my morning devotions. And I broke down, and I started to weep. And I, to me, I was just at the end of myself. I was on medication. I was on stress leave. I was unemployed. And to me, my career was over as a pastor. It was just all done. All my ideals crashed around my feet. And I had no clue what I was going to do next. Hmm, interesting. Well, guess what? God sort of swept things together. God is so faithful, so amazing. And he comes and he saves people that need saving. And you know what? I've learned something about people that need saving. Oftentimes they can only be saved when they're willing to let themselves be saved. You know what I mean? Well, so he comes along and he sweeps me up and uh, stands me back on my feet and starts 
putting things back in place, but in a different way. Anyway, let me fast forward just a bit. I ended up receiving a call um, to come to Saskatoon here to Pastor Rock of Ages Lutheran Church down in the southeast corner of the city just about the time they bought the old um, um, Free Methodist Church. And as I uh, approached there, oh, what, a, what an amazing group of people. What an amazing uh, place. Oh, they had their weirdos too, you know. They call a wrong guy to be in the pulpit. I told him, I says, if I ever make a mistake, you know, because I don't really know you guys, they're Lutheran brethren, and I was ELCIC by background, which to me, Lutheran brethren is like Lutheran Baptists, eh? I don't know what their traditions are, so I said, if I mess you up, I said, straighten me out. Well, they never bothered to straighten me out. And uh, so I would do things that, that the congregation wasn't used to. But they walked with me and they, they gave me slack to trip and stumble and fall and do all kinds of weird stuff. They put up with a lot. They showed me grace. And you know what I liked about Rock of Ages? Uh, is one of the things I like about the Rock Church. They want more of God. They're thirsty. They were hungry. And so we walked together for three and a half years. Now, um, at the end of that three and a half years... I felt the calling to step out into the ministry that I currently serve, uh, spoken word ministries, and I've been doing that full-time for the last five years. And I teach seminars on finding freedom through forgiveness. And I teach seminars on foundations for dealing with the demonic. Uh, and I teach seminars on effective prayer ministry and finding and following God's call. And I'm working on one right now, finding freedom from pornography. And it's all focused really on just inviting Jesus into the darkness. So wherever the darkness is in your life, you get to go there, you get to call out his name, you get to let him, you get to let him come and do what he does best. So there you go. That's my testimony. I want to back it up just a bit now. A couple of years ago, um, I, uh, I'm going to take you back to between Rock of Ages and my second church. I was on stress leave. I was trying to start a new ministry, which has become what I call spoken word ministries now. Um, I had just come through uh, my, my meltdown at my second church. My ideas and my, my concepts of ministry had all fallen to the ground around my feet, and I wasn't doing very well. And I'm an angry person. By nature, that's what I do. I get angry. There's people that shut up, there's people that run away, there's people that blow their stack, there's people that smolder, whatever. There's all kinds of different people and they handle their things in different ways. Me, I get angry. <laughs> so if you ever see me walking down the street, <laughs> it's either tongues or it's I'm just angry. You know what I mean? <laughs> One or the other. So, it was in this time after my second church um, things uh, weren't going well. And how do, I, how do I do this right now? I'll tell you. I began... I remember one night finally getting to the... Sort of to the end of myself. And I told my, my wife I was going to go for a prayer walk. And I went out for a prayer walk and I had uh, the most amazing conversation with God. Um... And the, the, the conversation with God sort of went like this. It sort of began with the word why. Why did this happen? 
and what are you going to do about it and why did you let me do this and why did you let me get into this anyone ever do that to God you know, oftentimes in the Christian church we're taught not to talk about this kind of stuff because somehow it's dishonoring to God if we admit that we're angry at God. Well, I was very angry at God and it began to come out that night. I lived in a rough town uh, out in the lower uh, mainland in, in British Columbia. Then I found myself walking down the street that night and as my anger began to unleash and begin to pour out of me, I began to shout, yell <laughs> at God. So here I was walking down the street. It was, it was evening. It was dark. You know, and you could see lit houses along, along both sides of the road, you know. One old guy steps to the front. You know, and you could just see him look back. Don't worry, Martha. It's just some other, some, some disgruntled pastor screaming at God. Go back to your stuff, right? <laughs> and I'm walking along the street, and I begin to, I begin to scream at God. I didn't ask for this. You know, I had such amazing dreams and desires and goals, Lord. And where did, where did you go, and why did you let this happen? And. In my disillusionment, I began to even curse God. And I did. I cursed God. I called God an F and so and so, and I used every four letter word I could think of to speak about my sense of calling, my sense of ministry, what I'd gone through, and what I thought of Him, and what I thought about following Him. And I said, And now you know, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm done following you. I'm just done. And into that moment, God spoke. And I know it was God. It was a very clean and clear and strong thought. And I don't always know if I'm hearing God sometimes. But when I hear him, I hear him. I know when I'm hearing him. And he spoke. And as I took a breath, he said, this is sin, you know. And my response, so what? You're right. It is. Who cares? And the next thing he said was this. You think maybe you ought to ask for forgiveness? Fine, go ahead, knock yourself out. And the third time he spoke, he said, okay, I will. Well, at that point in time, I was sort of empty. <sighs> Cathartic, release, it happened, whatever, I don't know. But I was done. I shut my mouth and I walked off down the street and I went a block down and I went to my house and I crawled into bed and I thought well tomorrow I'll get up and try and figure out a new job and a new life so I got up the next morning slept in a bit I was still pretty burned out and, and I was sleeping long hours I got up and the phone rang and it was a boarding school from Saskatchewan on the other end of the phone and they said Pastor Hopkins would you be willing to come and speak to our youth for three days? And I heard myself say yes and take their information and hang up the phone. And part of me is going, what did I just do? And I, I remember saying to the Lord, you know, Lord, you remember last night? Like, I'm, you're done with me. I'm done with you. Like, what's it, what is this? Oh, and he spoke to me again. He said, oh, you may be done with me, but I ain't done with you. <laughs> Fast forward a couple years, I ended up in Tanzania. I went with a group of pastors. We spent two weeks doing bush preaching, sitting in a, a four by four Toyota Land Cruiser going through the bush. Um, and boy, I tell you, a good core workout, sitting in a Toyota Land Cruiser for two weeks going through the bush in Africa. Um, that'll get you in shape. That'll get rid of your back pain, everything. 
I, uh, we did this, and then we were going to take the last week of our time there, and we went up to a place called Mwiki. Um, uh, Mwiki was at the base of uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. And we're doing a pastor's event there, and there were 200 uh, Tanzanian pastors, about this many people, gathered in that event. And we were to do, each of us pastors, we had a presentation that we were going to do. We were going to share a little bit of a teaching. And so for me, I shared a teaching that came out of uh, John. Um, It was the story of Peter. You guys all know Peter? You remember the Apostle Peter? I resonate with Peter because Peter Peter jumps off the edge of the boat without thinking, eh? Peter says stuff, you know, on impulse, and then has, you know, Jesus has to sweep up after him. Um, so I resonate with Peter because I, I do a fair amount of that myself. Anyway, the story of Peter is this. He's Jesus' best friend. And one day he makes this proclamation uh, to Jesus that he says, you know what, I don't care what happens, what it costs, I will follow you, I am yours. I will stick with you regardless of what happens. And Jesus turns around and he says to Peter, he says this. Um, he says, you don't have quite the strength you think you have. You're going to deny me three times. Jesus, Peter says, I will not. Yes, you will. Jesus says, I will not, says Peter. Who's going to argue with Peter, right? Jesus gives up right there. He says, you know what? We'll see. Well, they go along, and the day comes when Jesus uh, gets arrested. And they come to take Jesus away, and Peter, at first, you know, he fights, and then he runs. But, you know, Peter really does love Jesus. And he's in agony that night. And so he runs to get away and save his own skin. But once he sort of saved his own skin, he turns around and he follows where they take Jesus. And he watches from afar to what happens. And somebody recognizes Peter that night and, and says, hey, you were with, you were with uh, Jesus. I was not. Don't know the man. Somebody says, yes, you were. You were with Jesus. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I do not know him. Leave me alone. Third person says, You were one of his disciples. You are. I've seen you. Blankety blank. I don't know the blankety blank. So and so. Get out of here and leave me alone. And he runs away. He starts to move away. In that moment it says Jesus. Turns around and he makes eye contact with Peter. And Peter goes out and weeps bitterly. In that moment Peter is faced with his own failure. See Peter had made his declarations. He'd made his commitments. And now he had shown himself unable, too selfish, didn't have the strength, whatever. And he'd abandoned his best friend and his Lord. Okay. Well, as we follow the story, Jesus went from there. He was whipped. Then he was taken to the cross. He was nailed to the cross. He hung on the cross. He died. Gave up his life. He cried out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Three days later, it says... He rose from the dead. Now, you know what happened when Jesus died? Jesus was innocent of all sin, so he went to the, to the cross, perfect. And he went there deliberately so that he could pay for our sin with, with his innocent life. There was this trade. He traded his guilt, his, his innocence for our guilt. Wow. Well, he rose uh, from the dead, and in doing so, he demonstrated his victory over anything that could separate us from God's love. He demonstrated his victory over all forms of death, spiritual, emotional, physical. And he came and he showed himself to his disciples. And he showed himself to about 500 people. And do you know what Peter's response was once he had seen Jesus? He went fishing. 
Peter did what I did that night as I screamed to God. He abandoned his calling and he went back to his old way of life. And he said to his friends, he said, guys, anyone else? You coming with me? I mean, obviously, we don't have what it takes to follow Jesus. Let's just go back to the old way. And they went back fishing. Well, Jesus comes down the beach uh, one morning as they're out fishing. And he calls out and he says, hey, you guys catch any fish? Well, in the conversation that follows, they recognize him. And Peter, he's so excited. See, Peter does love Jesus. He leaps out of the boat. He swims to shore, all that kind of stuff. Suddenly he finds himself standing in front of the one that he betrayed. Now, how did he exactly function? I don't know. I think it was pretty quiet. Jesus, it says, cooked breakfast. Jesus fed them all. And then suddenly in front of everybody, in front of the gathered disciples, he turns around and he buttonholes Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. And feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, uh, uh, and Peter's response is, Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. And the third time, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter's response, he was hurt because Jesus asked the third time, do you love me more than these? And he said, you know me, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, you know what? I learned just enough Greek in seminary to be sort of dangerous. Eh? That's what my professor said. And if you look at the original Greek, I went back and I did a little bit of a study on that little passage in the original Greek that it's written in. And Jesus, when Peter and Jesus are talking about love, they're using two different Greek words. One is agape love, and, and Jesus says, and so I want to go through that conversation with you using those words. Because agape love is a word Jesus uses, and it means unconditionally. Do you love me without condition? That's the kind of love Jesus demonstrated on the cross when he gave himself unreservedly for people who A, didn't know him, and B, didn't care. He just loved and gave all he had because he knew who they were. They were valuable in his eyes. Peter uses a different kind of word, and that word is philo. It comes from the word philia, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's the kind of love that happens between brothers, but you know if the brothers fall out with each other, well, it goes away. So it's an intense love, but it's not agape love. You get what I'm saying? And the conversation, if you take that into account, would go a bit like this. Jesus turns around, he looks at Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter looks back at Jesus and says, Lord, you know I love you like a brother. And Jesus said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And then again, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Why is he doing this? Like, Lord, you know what I've just done, but uh, Peter answers. And he says, Lord, you know I love you like a brother. Feed my lambs. And then Jesus says it a third time, only this time Jesus changes it down. And he says, Peter, do you love me like a brother more than these other guys? Because, you know, that's the proclamation you made quite some time ago, Peter. You said that when everybody else abandoned me, you wouldn't. Do you love me more than these guys? And it says Peter was hurt. In that moment, Peter's betrayal and his failure and his, his imperfect commitment was laid bare for everybody to see. And he was hurt. And he brokenly looks at Jesus and said, 
Lord, you know I only love you like a brother. I don't love you like you love me. I don't have that ability. I showed that to you just recently. I love you with all I got, but it ain't enough. I know that now. And Jesus says, well, good. Glad you know that. Because guess what? I ain't done with you yet. And for you to follow me, you have to walk with me by my strength, not by your strength. And you know, as I walked through that experience in that, in that, uh, down that street, that burnout, all that kind of stuff, that's what I was doing. I was living for God. I had all kinds of incredible dreams, what I was going to do for God, how we were going to do it. We were going to storm, charge the hill and take, take, you know, whatever, right? Do the thing. And then I failed. Why? Because I was living by my own strength. Just like Peter. And when God confronted me in that place, he said, so, this is sin. Duh, this is sin. <laughs> I know. You think maybe you ought to ask forgiveness? Knock yourself out. Okay, I will. And he raised me up. Well, I was standing in that uh, gathering place in Wiki, on the base of Mount Kilimanjaro, and I shared that story. And I made the comment at the end of that story. I said, um, Peter cursed God, and God did not give up on him. And I said, I have a little bit of an understanding, my fellow pastors, um, of what that was like, because I cursed God too, and he's still using me. And we closed our meeting. I thought that was the end of my, my time teaching them. I don't really know why I said that last phrase. But God knew. Because I was approached later on that evening and they said, the pastors have asked you to come back and speak one more time tomorrow morning. Oh, okay, well, I better sweep together a quick, another Bible study for them. So I did. I got up the next morning and an old African pastor right about here, he stands up and he goes, just as I'm getting ready to start my, my brilliant insight into another chunk of scripture, he stands up and he says, brother, you said that you cursed God. We want you to tell us about this. And I'm thinking, what do I do now? I mean, these are African pastors. These ain't like some kind of, you know, like these are really spiritual people, hey? That was my image of them. So I said, uh, okay, what do I do? And I'm shooting the prayers skyward, and God says, just tell them. So I told them the story of how I cursed God. And at the end of it, I just simply said this. You know what I had to learn? I had to learn what it meant to follow God by His strength, not mine. And we finished. An old pastor, a gray-haired African pastor from back here, stands up and he says, Brother, you've given us the answer. A little later on, I was approached by Pastor Justin. And he said, I want you to know that the story you shared this morning saved the pastor's life. I said, what do you mean it saved the pastor's life? He said there was a pastor who was here at this event and he didn't tell anybody that he was ready to give up on the ministry because serving God was too hard. So he had purposed to come here, say goodbye to his friends and go home and kill himself. And he said that story saved his life. He, after that story, he came and he asked his, his friends to pray for him and they prayed for him and now he has support and he too is going to learn how to walk by the strength of the Spirit of Christ rather than His own. People, you know, as we come together and we share the testimonies, 
the testimonies are only in so are only good insofar as they point us to the one who is our strength. I'm learning a number of things, and I'd just like to briefly share them with you as I close. As I followed God on this very brief walk that I have had, I've learned that Romans 8.1 is totally true. That there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. John 3.17 says Jesus did not come to condemn us. He came to save us. And every touch on our lives is his desire to do that. So that means it doesn't matter what you've done. It's all forgivable. It's all redeemable. I've learned, secondly, Galatians 5, where it says, Walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. I've learned that only the power of God can do what I have been called to do, and what you have been called to do. So yield to Him, walk by His strength. I've learned um, that I need to take time with God. Someone came to Jesus and said, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. I am so easily distracted. Nothing matters. Nothing matters except that I first spend time with him because it's out of that time everything else comes. I've learned that I have to give what I've been given to give because the second commandment was to love your neighbor as yourself. When you're with God and he pours something into you, you give away what you've been, what you've been given to give. The ministry that I've been called to, spoken word ministries, that's been one of our mandates. We don't sell ministry. We give what we've been given to give. I've learned how to pray. In Matthew 6, Jesus taught his disciples, he said, pray this way, and he gave them a prayer structure called the Lord's Prayer. I learned to be in the place of God in prayer. And then John 5, 19 is a verse I've been walking with for a few years now. Just do what he shows you. Jesus said, the son does nothing of his own initiative, only what he sees the father doing. And the father loves the son and shows him everything. And that means God will do the same with you that he did with Jesus Christ. He will show you what he wants you to do. Just do what he shows you. That means you've got to spend enough time in his presence to be shown. And then folks, expect something to happen. Anyone here ever been to boring church? I led some of those services, I'll tell you right now. My home, at my first church, we used to have this amazing event that called the Holy Spirit Seminar. People would show up every year and the Holy Spirit would come into the building and people would be healed and all kinds of amazing stuff would happen. That was incredible. Then the next Sunday, it would be just like, just pancakes. Then it was like, come on, Lord, what's going on? And as I'm praying about this, and I'm going, Lord, why does it go from amazing to boring right away? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, what do you expect when you come to church? Well, not much. Well, good. Well, your prayers are being answered right there. <laughs> oh. Why, when you have the special meetings, does, does, does stuff happen? You know why? Because everybody that shows up to the special meeting is making an extra effort, and they're coming hoping for something to happen. All that faith comes rolling into a building, and God can move. Right. Hebrews 1 says this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's what you grab onto going, this is going to happen. When I got engaged, I started spending money. I booked the hall, I bought the tux, I, and I didn't even, wasn't even married yet. I was, act, I was acting in faith, eh? I was hanging on to stuff. <laughs> Hebrews 11.6, in verse 6, it goes on to say this. The one who comes to God can't please God without faith. Because the one who comes to God 
has to believe God exists and he rewards those who seek him. You know what? When I used to come back from um, trips, I'd land at the airport. My kids would dogpile me in front of the airport. They'd be up to their elbows in my pockets. They knew I had stuff for them. I'd be hanging on to my belt trying to keep my pants up. They'd be going, Dad, what do you got for us? They came with this aggressive, Dad, you have something for us and we want what you got. And that's how we got, how we're called to come to God himself. Do I know what God's going to do every time? No, but I know he's going to do something. And when I come walking into church on Sunday morning expecting stuff to happen, stuff like what happened to Rhonda happens. And that's an exciting place to be. So folks, that's part of my testimony. I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to share it with you. God has a call in each of your lives. And I just pray that you will learn to walk it out by his strength and not by your own. Let's pray. God, we love you. We love yourselves in your mercy. I thank you because you are so merciful. You desire to save your people. You desire to set them more than that. You desire to use them like you desire to use Peter. Father, forgive us when we stand out in our own strength. We try to do things by our own uh, powers and by our own agendas. This is not what you taught us. You said, pray this way. Your kingdom come and your will be done. And so, Lord, speak to each person here. Uproot the things in our lives where we stand in our own strengths. Take us to that place where we have to trust you that all the credit, all the honor, all the power, all the glory will be yours forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Boyd. He said those words to Dallas and I when we were sitting in his office before we went on our sabbatical. You guys are doing this out of your own strength. You're not using God's strength to do this, and that's why you're feeling tired. And when he said that, I remember thinking, that is so not true. I have been doing this out of God's strength. Yeah, whatever. And then, and it's so funny because when he said that just now, tonight, something inside my stomach jumped and reminded me of that moment when I thought, when I denied it. I was in a lot of denial. And um, I quickly learned that that was exactly what the problem was, that we were just doing things out of our own strength and we had gotten used to it. So we didn't know the difference. And because God was gracious to us and we, we got to take that sabbatical and we were strengthened by God and by the time with him, we are back here today. And because of that, I look, I look at this kind of a night and I think, you know, there was lots of days where we thought, I don't know if this is what we should do. This is too much. But here we are, a year later, actually exactly a year later, and we're still here, by the grace of God. All right! <laughs> yeah. That is celebratory for sure. 
so thank you for supporting us on our journey. Thank you for supporting this program for the kids and the youth because we do want to see their lives changed and we don't want to see what has begun in their lives not go to completion and for us not to walk that out in the obedience that he's called us to. So thank you for supporting us through your prayers. I I look around the room. There are so many of you who prayed for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you for supporting us by being at these things and forgiving financially. It's totally what has kept us going that people like you believe that God is doing something. So on that note... We are going to enjoy dessert tonight and next month, as much as we loved having all this testosterone in the room, we're going back to the women next month. So um, it was great to have you here. We, um, (laughs) yes, Della says we're always looking for men in the kitchen. So if you want a free meal and want to do dishes, (laughs) we do this every month. Next month, we will be having Vilna. So you'll see your green cards on the tables. Vilna Van Beek has an amazing testimony of her experience. Um, She used to live a homosexual lifestyle, and she has been transformed by Christ himself. And her story is powerful, if not completely miraculous. You you will not want to miss her story. And she has put together a seminar that she's going to be doing in May called When Gay Comes Home. That will be open to men and women. And that's held at Life Outreach Church. It's going to be on May 10th. So she is going to really unpack what God's word says about homosexuality and how we are to love those who are living that lifestyle. And it's it's just, she's very, very anointed in how she speaks about her personal testimony. So we will see you here next month, women. And please, men and women, while you're still here, help yourself to coffee and tea. And just for all those who are looking for the non- Uh, caffeinated type that's up here we sometimes get in trouble by switching them on you but tonight it's real this is caffeine free so um, we have dessert at the back I think it's coming around to your tables right now thanks for being here you can make your checks out to Bibleville and we will collect them at the end bless you